escalate the same as the drug dealing. Bullets said I penetrate, riding on stolen plates. Did I mention my city was known for its murder rate? Live right by the capital, gangsta get the clapping, folks. High off gun smoke, my hood full of cutthroats. Going down the hill like my city was made slow. Gunshots every day, we don't even look. Eating dinner out the same kitchen, dope is cooked. I had an appetite for money, I'm hungry and can't wait. It's a golden state heavyweight, riding no platinum place. State to state, crushing grain, something like a winery. Labels try signing me, I'm something like the dynasty. Mastered the arts, kept the skill in my rhymery. So I'ma chase paper, now the players stay eyeing me. Thing on my waist to turn a grown man side me. Rude boy, come test, I dare you one try with me. Got a full clip, I can empty off the side of him. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Mudville Podcast. We are so excited here today because we have something special in store for you. And this is episode four season two and with me right now i have ilisette and she is our women's home director in victory outreach stockton she has been married for seven years and she recently just had her son samuel and we're gonna get into everything here today she's a powerful woman of god when she preaches she preaches power she has a powerful testimony and right now, Alyssa, I just want you to kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, um, what your family's like, and just a little bit of who you are. Yeah, so, um, well, I was born here in Stockton, and I was fully raised in Lodi um, all my life. So, like I said, on my past, like, my whole lifetime, I've been raised in Lodi, and my family lives in Lodi as well. Um, and I was raised um, in a home with five brothers and two sisters. So in total would be eight of us with my mom and dad, obviously a family of 10, you know, and um, so I grew up, you know, living with my mom and my dad. Um, and I think growing up, you know, in a home like that, um, you know, my family weren't saved. They didn't serve God. And if anything, they were more Catholic than anything, you know, but we never knew or heard about the Lord you know, at the house. It was really a dysfunctional home where, you know, we didn't, there was no love expressed during that home. And, you know, I, I grew up, I was actually the youngest, the second to the youngest. So I was the youngest girl um, in my family. So I pretty much grew up with boys. Wow. And did you feel like in your family, um, it was a lot different for you growing up with boys rather than having like being around a bunch of like girls in your family? Yeah, totally it is because I think it made me more rougher, like a little bit tougher on the edges, you know? <laughs> yeah. Having to, you know, stand up or kind of, you know, sometimes my brothers were super bullies. You know, so I have so they would get in there, right in there, and just roughing you up real quick. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and they had to come up with me. I started defending myself. <laughs> Man, that's why she's so powerful. <laughs> um, so, how was it growing up in your house? I know you told me that you grew up with uh, your brothers, and they were a little bit aggressive. What was it like um, growing up seeing your family? And even like what it was like growing up having to deal with being in a dysfunctional place or in an environment where you didn't know God yet, or did you know God growing up while you were younger? Um, no, I didn't grow up knowing about God. I think um, when I started, when I turned maybe like nine, ten years old, I started getting curious because I would see like Jehovah's Witnesses come and knock at a door or Mormons, you know. And they always tell us about God, about the love of Jesus, you know, and I always wanted to know about that, you know, he's got wanted to be curious, it would sit down and kind of give me Bible studies. And that's how I kind of like started to hear a little bit about that kind of different religions. Um, but my home was mainly, like I said, very dysfunctional. We expressed no love there. We were there, but not there, you know. Uh, um, and I think a lot growing up and seeing like my brother becoming, you know, being an alcoholic, another one being in and out of juvenile hall, you know, even though we grew up with both of our parents, but it was still very dysfunctional and a lot of dis disconnection between me and my mother, my relationship with her and my siblings too. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I, you, and you, you were born and raised in Lodi. So do you think that being in Lodi, that the culture of that city, did it have a lot to do 
with maybe how your family was, like the culture of the city in Lodi, because you're from there. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, like, did you feel like Lodi, like that city, did it have any, like maybe like a certain influence upon your family, like your surroundings, what your neighborhood was like, maybe what you guys seen exposed to mm -hmm. at a young age? Did you feel like that had any type of play in that? I feel for my siblings, it really did because we used to live in Central. For those that are from Lodi, they know what Central is. A lot of Northerners, they live in Central and that's where we were. We actually were raised and we're in Central Lodi. And a lot of that, you know, we were influenced by friends and neighbors and stuff like that. So there are areas there that it did affect a lot of that, um, you know, and basically that's where some of those decisions came in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy that you say that, that in Lodi, you know, like that, um, the culture, what it is like there, um, would you say that in Lodi that there's like gangs, like, is there like, um, certain like bondages, like in that city? Mm -hmm. Like, cause I know when everybody thinks of Lodi, they think, well, Lodi is like nicer, like, or Lodi is like this. Bougie. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, could you say, like, in where you were from, where, how you were brought up, um, the culture of that city, like, what could you say, like, like what is, like, some of the things that it deals with? Like, I know dysfunctional families, one. Mm -hmm. um, could you say that it, it, does it, does it have gang violence? Like, does it have drug addicts? Does it have um, all those things, like, bondages, like, um, like, more like of the city? Like, what do you think, like... It, like, how were you introduced to that lifestyle? Mm -hmm. The bondages that, well, the, what I do see of that is big in Lodi. A lot of it is gang violence right now. We see a lot of murder, um, a lot of right now homeless population, mm -hmm. you know, and, and such as like 15, 16 year old kids pulling bullets and other, another, you know, kids or teenagers. Wow. So it is a lot of violence out there for sure. Like, Lodi needs Jesus too, you know, so it, that's a very strong right now. And how were you introduced to the gang life in Lodi? Like, were you ever a part of it? Were you ever jumped into a gang? Um, you know, was your family involved? How was it? How did you get introduced to that lifestyle? Um, so, well, one was one of my siblings, you know, he was around a lot of like northerners, you know, so obviously the example ship that you, you know, they're mm -hmm. set for you, you kind of follow that. I was, just, I was very attracted to that lifestyle where I wanted, you know, to, so just drawed you in, it drew me in. Yeah. Where I really automatically had a certain hatred towards the, you know, the opposite of, you know, the southerners and, you know, and I think that that's where I had this you know, point of view of them, or, you know, even times where I ended up fighting them, you know, and just became very aggressive towards them and kind of like a sense of, you know, when you grow up in the streets, you become territorial, Yeah. you know, of your neighborhood. And even though you're not jumped in in a gang, but you start claiming it. And you just begin to kind of like back it up in a yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. So then in a way, it's kind of like you necessarily were maybe super involved, but you were surrounded by it because yeah. your brother was involved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and that's crazy because I feel like a lot of, for those who are listening, um, it's who you surround yourself with or what you grow up seeing, it slowly becomes your identity. Mm -hmm. Like it slowly becomes like, man, well, this is just who I am. Like this is where I'm from. This is where I was born and this is who I will be. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And um, with that type of lifestyle, because I know that, uh, in the gang, like in the street life and those families that are involved in gangs um, and the partying and all that, were you ever introduced to alcohol, to drugs? Did you ever have like a problem with that as well? Yeah, I actually got introduced to alcohol. Honestly, you know, Mexican cultures are introduced us, I think, the moment we're born. <laughs> you know, Straight out um, of the womb, huh? Yeah, I, I was actually introduced to alcohol at a very young age. I think at the age of 10, 10 or 11, wow. I started. 10 years old. Yeah, because, you know, they have parties, so like, oh, let's, let's try it. You yeah. know, like, how does it taste? So, you know, I started getting introduced to that. Um, and eventually, as I continue to like the feeling of it you know the buzz feeling that would give me then as I continue to grow up as a teenager I became more drawn to it 
you know, um, to the point that I really would indulge myself of, I had to find anything. It had to be anything, whether it was wine. I remember my uncle's house, I would, we were so drunk, you know, and I just wanted more and more and more. There was no limit to me. So, and to the point that I started realizing, you know, I'm becoming an alcoholic. Wow. You know, like I am. You just begin to fiend for it. Yeah. So it was just a thing for me. And, and do you feel like, in the sense, did you battle more with the alcohol or did you feel like you battled more with the street life? They're kind of like both the same mm -hmm. in the same mix. But when it came down to what you kind of like had a bondage of more, like, was it kind of like more the aggression side? Or do, do you say like it was more like you would just hit the bottle to numb those things? Mm -hmm. I think a lot was both. I did have a lot of, I grew up with a lot of aggression, you know, things that I experienced in my life and my, um, like my childhood, you know, just traumas that I experienced when I was younger. I think that just triggered a lot of anger, you know, and then, you know, the environment that we grew up in, in the streets, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm a street banger, you know, but I kind of like trying to find my identity in there. And eventually once I got hooked on, like I started liking the, you know, the feelings of alcohol, like I said, I got to a point that one time I did try meth and wow. I like, once I tried meth, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I was, that freaked me out. I was like, I can't, I cannot, this is going to lead to one thing to another thing, mm -hmm. you know? So I just kind of stuck to what I knew and that was alcohol. So yeah, so it went from like the street life to being introduced to gangs, to gang violence. And then from gang violence, it was to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then from alcohol, eventually meth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And I feel like a lot of times people don't realize like, okay, like, well, if I'm involved, this is not that bad as this. Mm -hmm. But then slowly and surely you're just tied up into the streets, all of it and everything that it comes with. And um, when, was, when was the first time that you heard of the gospel? Like, so right, you were in the streets, you were, you were like, addicted to alcohol in a sense. And then from alcohol, you try meth, which kind of freaked you out. Mm -hmm. So when do you feel like that kind of just took a turn to where you ended up hearing about Jesus Christ, his love, his mercy, his power? Like when were you introduced to the gospel? Um, well, before I got saved, um, a little bit is that I, once I started getting more hooked on alcohol, I started getting like, Anybody could do this, like getting fake IDs, going to bars. Literally, you have a 13, 14-year-old going to bars, you know, and mm -hmm. um, it became to that point that I started losing control of myself. You know, I didn't know who I was anymore. I was getting really, like, really lost, and my parents didn't even know what was going on with me. You know, they see the aggression, you know, they would get all these police reports, all these police officers, you know, they would drop me off at my mom's house because I got kicked out, you know, or from fighting, you know, mm -hmm. all this and stuff. But honestly, it got to a point where I have this brother um, who first got saved, you know, and he always tell us about Jesus. Um, and one day, you know, I was in this relationship that was very toxic. And I just knew that there was more. I always felt like there was more to my life. You know, I was age 16, and I remember one time I was just praying in my room, and I was just crying out to God. And my brother told me about the love of Jesus. And when he told me that, like, I wanted I wanted to experience that. I wanted to know if it was real, what he said. And yeah. surely not. When I went to church that day, it was a Pentecostal church. And let me tell you, Pentecostals, like, they go all out there, you yeah. know. I was spooked for a bit, but mm -hmm. I God transformed me. God transformed my life. And... Was this the same brother that, because I remember you told me that um, the way that you got introduced to gangs was through your brother, mm -hmm. in a sense. Was that the same brother that introduced you to the gospel? No. So no. This is, okay. Yeah, so the one that introduced me to the gospel, he was actually in gangs himself. He was, yeah, he was in gangs, like heavy in gangs himself. Like he was the real deal. Yeah, he was the real deal. Yeah, he was in very gangs and... Um, and God reached out to him and he transformed his life. God changed his life. Well, wow. Cause it really makes me like, just think like, okay, like, um, when the way that God operates is like, um, 
like he had your whole family in, in his plan mm -hmm. like that you you know that your brothers were that's how you got introduced to the gang life and then from the gang life you got into alcohol and then eventually would have led to drugs because you tried it mm -hmm. but you weren't addicted to it just the alcohol mm -hmm. but the brother that introduced you to the gospel um he was in gangs so it was like God had this plan this whole time that he wasn't just going to give you a testimony, but your brothers have a testimony too. And mm -hmm. somehow your whole family um, is involved with what God's trying to do. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's powerful because I, when I think of so many people that are in the ministry or so many people that have been called into the ministry, um, you know, whether it's Stockton or it's another city inside the ministry, but it's like it's, he doesn't just choose one. Mm -hmm. It's the whole, the whole package. Exactly. Your legacy. So like, it, you know, like God was kind of like he had you set up um, like to reach your brother and through your brother, he was going to reach you. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the legacy continues. Yeah. It continues. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And that's powerful. It's very, very, very. There's a lot of power in that, like when God can use your family to reach you mm -hmm. and then reaching you, you start reaching the women in the city. Like yeah. who wouldn't know like, <laughs> that your brother, you know, God using your brother, um, God sent your brother to reach you. And then you're going to then you later on are you make an impact in the city of Stockton. Yet she's from Lodi. Yeah. She's from Lodi. Yeah, that's a trip, huh? <laughs> it's crazy when you think of the call of God and you think of how he works, his power. Um, the overall picture mm -hmm. is that he will call you out of Lodi through your brother so that way you can make an impact in the city of Stockton. Yeah. And you would rise up to be a home director for yeah. women. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, when was the first time, I know you told me that um, you were saved in an apostolic church. Mm -hmm. And um, and you told me that the one that introduced you to the gospel was your brother. And who could you say was the first person who evangelized to you about Jesus Christ? Like, who was the first, like, you know, did it have, because I know like in the ministry of Victory Outreach, like we pass out flyers, we go knock on people's doors and we tell them like, hey, like we just want to tell you that Jesus loves you, the hope and stuff. Like, was it somebody like that? Or, you know, was it somebody in your family? Was it your brother? Was it the apostolics? Like who was the first person who evangelized to you about Jesus? When I heard about Jesus, I'll be honest with you. The first time, the, the very first, first time. time ever, it was a Jehovah Witness. A Jehovah Witness. They told me about Jesus. They were talking about Jesus. So I was like, oh, Jesus, you know, but, <laughs> you know, I want to know who this man was. I heard about it, right, right. you know, and then, right. So God used this, right. To tell me about Jesus, praise God. And then there was this woman, um, she's a, she's like a spiritual grandmother to us. And mm -hmm. actually she would pick us up and, you know, she'll force us to go to church, you know, she'll drag us to go to church. So she'll pick us up every Sunday morning. And through her, of course, yeah, God, yeah, we heard about Jehovah's Witness, but no, God used um, our spiritual grandmother who would teach us the doctrine, teach us about the truth and the word of God, Right. you know, and sometimes she was very stirring, but she was very loving. Mm -hmm. She never, she was very consistent with us. And to me, I love that about her. Uh -huh. And she was, but she was a Jehovah Witness, your grandmother? Um, the spiritual grandmother? No, this is another scenario. Okay. This is, they just give me the curiosity of, okay, with Jesus, you uh -huh. know, but then her got put, our spiritual, who we consider her a spiritual grandmother because she discipled my mother later mm -hmm. on. Um, she was the one who reached out to my brother, the and one who was now saved. The brother got saved. Yeah, so my brother got saved through her and then she started reaching out to us. So the lineage came from your grandma, or um, your spiritual grandma, yeah. in a sense. Yes. Who then reached your brother? Who then reached you? Mm -hmm. But the first time you ever heard like of Jesus or somebody that actually evangelized to you was a Jehovah Witness. Yeah, because I think everybody got encountered Jehovah Witnesses knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but like you don't think that's great, you know? But that's but that, that sparked just, your curiosity. Yeah. Okay, uh -huh. I see. God will use anything, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. So, okay. So I didn't know that, that the first time that, um, cause sometimes, you know, everybody says like, well, you know, like I got introduced to the ministry by VO, like they introduced me to Jesus, <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but, um, you know, like you said, like a Jehovah witness sparked your curiosity yeah. about the gospel, mm -hmm. about who Jesus was. And then your spiritual grandmother reached your brother and mm -hmm. then reached you. Yeah. She reached my family. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about, because uh, I know you told me that um, you had battled with alcohol, mm -hmm. within, which then led you to trying meth. But how did you become like an alcoholic? Like, would you say that you were an alcoholic? Was that like a struggle when you were in the world? Or was it just something that you know that you just would do? Mm -hmm. But like, would you say like that was something that you struggled with? It was something I struggled with because, you know, sometimes you drink just for fun, mm -hmm. but this was no longer for fun. This was, I wanted that feeling. And plus it was a generational curse that's literally in my, was in my family. I'm declaring that, you know, yeah, that would started from my brother, you know, my father, and it came to my siblings. And it was a thing that was like a generational curse in my family, you know, or eventually, you know, I found myself, like I said, no longer for pleasure. Now I'm more like, I'll do my, you know, duties all during week, but then weekends was indulging myself to the point that I don't know where I'm at or, you know, next day, let's do it again. You know, so it became like, that's how I knew, okay, I'm kind of like, you don't have to become an alcoholic where you're every single day drinking. You could be functioning and still be an alcoholic. Wow. That's true. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you know, it's like you said, like, um, it wasn't like I would just go to parties and then I drink. And, and how you just said it, put it right now, is like that you, it doesn't, just because you may work or you may doing, be doing good mm -hmm. or you may be doing something with your life, that doesn't mean that you're not or can't become an alcoholic or addicted to something. Exactly. Right. And um, do you feel like um, what, what let, like, who kind of like introduced you to alcohol? Like, I know you said, like, your family, like, it was, like, a generational visit, but, like, who can you say, like, was kind of, like, the one that was, like, hey, like, take a shot with me, or, like, hey, like, or if it was at a party, like, hey, like, um, let's get drunk together. Like, who was kind of, like, the one that introduced you to alcohol? I think it was some close friends that I had during that time. We're, like, sim similar age, you know, and their mm -hmm. life was definitely very dysfunctional. And a lot of that was I was more of a follower during that time, so I just kind of tried it. You know, and yeah. um, and that's kind of like how I was introduced and slowly like, hey, you know, let's go to a kickback. Hey, let's go to a party, you know, and it just led one thing to another, you know, where I just, you know, it became a thing where I would drink by myself, mm -hmm. you know, I would buy alcohol and I'll be in my room and I'll be drinking because I was very depressed, you know, and I was very depressed. I was not happy with my life. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like um, where it becomes like you want to try it for fun because you're around your friends, mm -hmm. but then eventually it leads you into that dark place where you're no longer doing it to because you think it's fun, but now you're doing it because um, you feel sad, mm -hmm. like you feel like I'm depressed, so I'll drink alone. Or like some people who smoke, I'll smoke alone, like, or they do drugs alone because they're just trying to feel that. And then it's crazy because, like, then they don't realize, like, it leads you down darker, 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 darker path. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when was the first, like, um, time that you realized that, okay, like, kind of like where reality hit in, where, like, if I keep going down this path, um, I'm going to die mm -hmm. or I'm not going to be okay like, when did it kind of hit you in that sense where you you ended up turning your life around? Like, the moment that you said, okay, um, I'm in a really bad place and I need Jesus. Like, the moment that you said, like, man, like, this is, I do need Jesus in my life. Mm -hmm. I heard about him. I got introduced to him. I know who he is. But now I want to surrender my life to to him. Yeah. There was different scenarios, I think, that had to take place. Like one time that took place, you know, was I was very, um, I was like very intoxicated. And the sheriffs, I guess, a family, family found me at the park. I didn't even realize this. I was at the park 
wasted at nighttime and the sheriff were looking for me and they found me. And I guess I was becoming very, very aggressive with them and they dropped me off home. I do not recall that night until the next morning when they told me the whole story. When they told me that, I was like, okay, this is getting out of hand. If I could not remember what happened mm -hmm. that night and like that, that spooked me, you know. And did that change? No, I ended up getting a DUI later on, you know, when I turned 21. And now that did like awaken me like, okay, like I need to change my life. I'm going down yeah. to the, you know, to a bad road mm -hmm. if I don't start making those changes and surrender my life back to the Lord. And in that moment, um, did you feel like, because in a way you said like it spooked me. So did you feel like the fear of God began to kind of develop in your life a little bit? Like, did you feel like that's something that happened, that kind of took place first and then led you to salvation? Yes, I believe so. Because I remember when I, um, you know, you have people always ministering to you about Jesus and stuff. But when you know, like, you know, like mm -hmm. when the fear of God comes in and after I got my DUI, like I, I knew about God during that time. My, yeah. I had already gotten saved at the age of 16, served God for six months and went back again. So it's like I didn't learn my lesson. I went back. Now that did put the fear of God when I experienced that. And, and I remember like I was on my knees when I was in, you know, that night they arrested me. And I was like, God, like, forgive me. I don't want this lifestyle. You know, I don't want this to be me. And that's when I wanted to choose to change. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you just said that you knew God. Mm -hmm. So how did you get saved? Was it at the age of 16, like you were young? Yeah, at the age of 16 is when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, and like I said, I, I, you know, God, like, delivered me with completely deliverance. Um, it's just my foundation wasn't too solid yet, uh -huh. you know, and temptation came in and just took me out. You know, I just choose to go back to the world again. Once I left the Lord, I think it was, um, at 16 and a half or 17 years old. Then I went back to the same relationship and getting pregnant by my first son. Um, you know, and it's just, it all just went downhill after that. Yeah. Wow. So you were like, in a sense, you backslidden. Yeah, I ended up backsliding. And how, so I know you told me like you, you got saved at 16, mm -hmm. but how did that kind of happen? Like, were you, cause I know like you told me from a young age, you were in, you were introduced to gangs, mm -hmm. um, you were drinking and then you tried meth. Um, was all that also taking place when you were 16? Yeah. So all of that was taking place. So that already happened. That, yeah, that already had happened. Whoa. Yeah, that had already had happened. There's so many things that I experienced so quick. It just happened so quick. Mm -hmm. You know, I had already been introduced all of that before I was even 16. So I had a lot, I experienced a lot of things. You so know. you had a taste of the world. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. At 16. Yeah. That's crazy. And so how from experience all of that, how did you get saved at 16? Like what, what's just like, were you in a church or, you know, were you in a, a, that? Cause you were, you already went through a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, were you kind of like in a dark room setting? And then the moment you said, okay, I surrender to you, Lord, mm -hmm. even though you backslid, but what's the story to how you got saved the first time? Yeah. Like the first time you experienced God, the first time you, you were broken, like the first time like he entered into your heart, it was at the age of 16, but what's the story to that? Like the details kind of. Yeah, so I was in a, I was in a relationship with my, my first son's like father. And you were, six, you were 16? I was 16 mm -hmm. and it was just very toxic. Again, it was all based on alcohol. Everything I did was based on alcohol. My relationships, I couldn't function relationships without alcohol. You know, so I didn't know what's it like to be sober like that. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, I just found myself very empty. So I remember one time I was in my room. It was dark, and I was just, I remember crying out to God, like, God, you're real. Like, I, I want to change. Help me change my life. Help me change my life. You know, my brother mm -hmm. kept telling me, come to church, come to church. I just always remember that time when I was in my room, and I was just there, and I was just like, God, like, I want to change like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, show me that you're real, you know. And 
my brother was the one that continued to minister to me and they invited me. He wouldn't stop inviting me to church. And eventually I ended up going and, you know, and um, they discipled me. They worked with me. But that was the moment was when I was in that dark room by myself. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it was in a setting where you were just, you're at your lowest point. You're very young, mm -hmm. but you cried out to God. Yeah. And you're like, okay, um, like I want to change God. Like I yeah. need you to, to like, I want to. And so when you, when you walked into a church, cause you made that decision within your heart, like you weren't in a church setting, mm -hmm. but when you walked into a church, was it the Pentecostal church? Yeah. Wow. And you were 16. I was 16. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I, you've been through a lot and like through a young age, like a, like a young age experiencing so many things at the age of 16, being in a relationship, having a baby, but then you also experience a lot of things at a young age, the power of God. Mm -hmm. That's for some people, it's like, it's not that rapid. Like it takes them a while to realize like, okay, like if I stay like this, like it's not going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. But at a young age, like God had reached you already. Yeah. Like God already had his hand upon your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. All right. And, and then from that moment when you were, cause you were young, when you walked into that church, the Pentecostal church, cause they're powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, when you were, when you, when you seen the worship, like when you were like seeing people pray in the spirit, when you were seeing like, and seeing all those things, um, what happened to you? Like in that moment, like what, like, what did you think? Like, why did you feel <laughs> seeing the power of God? I, like, how did you, like, what did it do to you? Like, Honestly, I was like spooked. Like, what's going on here? You know, like, uh -huh. you know, seeing people speaking in tongues. Like, what is that? Yeah, you know, getting slain in the spirit. Cause you were young. Yeah, uh -huh. they. We actually, they. You know, like, um, when I seen that, I was like, man, like, it's crazy, you know. But honestly, the joy that they felt, like, I wanted that. They had peace. They would talk to me, and I wanted that. And actually the one who discipled me there was my sister-in-law, who is my sister-in-law now, you know, and she would tell me about Jesus. She would pray with me and, and I wanted what she had, you know, I wanted what they had mm -hmm. and they had peace and joy in their lives, you know, and I'm like, man, I want that, you know, and when I experienced that, when I say that God transformed me, God transformed me like, like completely, completely the way that I dress. I wear long skirts. I used to come. So you feel I, full in, full in. I was all in. I would go to high school with my Bible and I would fast and I would be in the library. My friends knew I would serve God during that time during high school. Like, um, and it was just a radical change. Like I never experienced that type of power like before until then. So that's why I know that God is so real, Yeah, you know, and the transformation power of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they're radical. Like mm -hmm. they, they'll, what, did you cut your hair or you didn't cut your hair? No. <laughs> you didn't? So you, wow. Yeah. So she was like full Pentecostal illicit at yeah. the time. <laughs> At the age of 16? Yes. Oh, my God. That's so powerful. Yeah. Um, because, like, you, I mean, like, in school and stuff, like, I would see those girls, but I never really had a chance to talk to them. So you were, like, very committed. Yeah. And you weren't born that way. Mm -mm. You chose to be that way. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved the purity of the way they carried themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I want that because, obviously, you know, in the world, the way we're dressed, we're all, like, literally hard any clothes on, you know? But I, I love the modesty. I love the way they separated themselves and that attracted me. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is so, um, it's just, it's so powerful because, you know, a lot of these girls, um, Pentecostal, you see them in school, mm -hmm. um, they're young, but most of them, they were raised into that lifestyle. That's all they know is to not wear makeup, mm -hmm. to not want to wear long skirts. To not like want to cut their hair, like the radicalness of it. Like most girls at the age of 16 would never choose willingly no. <laughs> to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like most girls are just like, but God touched her in such a powerful way that she was willing to choose that, to be that radical for God. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of girls, like even women are, um, honestly, we can say like, would do that right off the bat, like the radical transformation mm -hmm. and it was Pentecostal. So they're hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're straight. Like I'm not cutting my hair. Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing no makeup. You know, I'm going to wear long skirts 
And at a young age, like she chose that, mm -hmm. like she wasn't born into it, she chose it. Mm -hmm. So that says a lot about um, what you must have felt God's power, like his presence, like how he really touched you. And um, speaking on that, like, you know, what, what was it like the first time God filled you with his Holy Spirit? Like, what was, what was that experience like for you? Well, I remember um, I was, yeah, I was like completely like they lay hands on me, you know, mm -hmm. and I was being delivered and I felt like a joy, like a freedom. Um, it got to the point that I, you know, like a radical change where I even came to my parents and I asked my mom to forgive me. I asked my dad to forgive me. It was that radical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told him, forgive me for everything that I put you guys through or, you know, the way that I was for whatever, the way that I treated them, you know, and it was, and I remember I went to a, a woman's retreat mm -hmm. and there I experienced God. Like, I was so amazed, like, and like, you know, I can't even explain it, but it's, I always hold those moments dear to my heart because mm -hmm. I truly encounter him. And, um, and that's how much like God truly changed me to like, started like shifting everything with my life. Yeah. That reminds me so much of a preaching that I was hearing mm -hmm. kind of like the other day when pastor Ed talks about a moment where it's in a moment where heaven is hitting everything it's got right at you in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like in those moments, something powerful happens mm -hmm. because you have a choice. Like you either have a choice to radically do something about, um, respond to what heaven is like, we're doing like giving you. Mm -hmm. And it's like those moments where you just, you know, the power of God is real. Like, you know, that God is real because mm -hmm. there's just no way like, you know, you would go and make a radical decision to change your life. There's yeah. no way that you would go and change your life drastically if like God wasn't behind intervening for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And um, like, when did it happen? When did it happen when you were filled with the Holy Spirit that like when you were baptized in like the Holy Spirit? Like, when did you experience that? Mm. That was for my honesty, my first time at the service. Your first time at the my service. First time at the service. Wow. Yeah, that was just the first day. The first. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. The first time. Yeah, like, that was just the first time. The yeah. first time you you said, "Okay, I'm getting saved." Was and it was also the first time you experienced the baptism. Yeah. Wow, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really good. Yeah. And um. How or when um, was the first time you realized, because um, the Holy Spirit comes, right? Mm -hmm. And then he fills you up and he baptizes you. But every time the Holy Spirit comes, like he doesn't just come to fill you up and like be in you, but then he, he brings gifts. Mm -hmm. Like he brings things, like things where it's evidence that he was there. So when was the first time you realized you were gifted by the Holy Spirit? Like, what was the giftings that he gave you? I think was when we started evangelizing. I was very passionate about that. You know, go evangelizing in Lodi, and I was just, like, so radical about it. Let's go evangelize. Let's go pass out flyers, you know? And I started passing out flyers at my church, you know, at the school, and telling my friends about Jesus, you know? So I, that was when I was like, okay, like, I love this. This is my passion. Like, I love evangelizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was the biggest challenge or battle in your walk? Your, mm -hmm. The biggest challenge or battle in your walk with God? Um, I think um, after, you know, serving God, um, you know, I got pregnant, had my son at 17. Um, and then, yeah, I was a single mom with him. So that's when eventually I got pregnant with him and I wanted to go back to church, you know, mm -hmm. but I just felt kind of shameful going back to church because I don't want to be judged or condemned because I left. Um, so I heard about Victory Outreach. I was introduced to Victory Outreach before that, um, before me getting saved. Um, so I ended up, you know, I heard about Victory Outreach. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm gonna go over there. Nobody knows me there, yeah. so I'm gonna go. And I came to Victory Outreach, you know, I remember I was pregnant with my son and yeah, and the Lord put me here, you know, I was here. I started coming and I made this my church. 
So I think the biggest battle was, um, I think it was 2013, yeah, 10 years ago is when, you know, I lost my son, you know, mm -hmm. he passed away in a car accident. Um, I think if anything, of any battles, I believe that was the biggest, the one. biggest battle one that just shook my world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Shook my foundation, everything. It's mm -hmm. a, Cause that's a big loss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How, and, um, how was your, what did you experience like the grief mm -hmm. that you experienced from that loss? The grieving, I believe it was, honestly, it was the hardest thing. I think nobody wants to experience those things, you know. When you think about the grieving process and the journey, a lot of times we want to rush it. We don't want to feel it. We put our feelings under the, you know, under the rug. Um, but I think me going through that season is like I, I had to hold on to God, you know, um, I had to allow him to do what he needed to do in that process in my life. Like my brother who was saved, he told me, allow God to do what he needs to do in your life. Mm. Whatever he needs to do, allow him to do it. You know, and I didn't understand that. I'm trying to serve God, you know, and having to go and face this. And, you know, and, and having to really face these feelings is they're real. Yeah. Sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you're upset. You're sad, you know. And Were you angry um, with God? Cause you knew God. Yeah. Well, yeah. At some point I felt like I was, mm -hmm. you know, and there's times I would talk to God about, it. I think sometimes we could accept, you know, we mix our faith with, you know, with our grieving or, you know, but just cause you go through it doesn't mean you lack faith. doesn't mean you never have faith. It's just, this is your human side that you have to do it. Mm -hmm. What do you do with it? And a lot of times people don't know how to do it. Then what do they do? They go back to alcohol. And eventually that's what I ended up doing for just, a, f I would say maybe just a few times, you know, going back to alcohol when I lost my son and I knew it, I cannot go this route. So that's when you backslid? That's that? Um, no, that, that was a different moment. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, so I didn't, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't consider backslid. I would say it was the very moment that I was very vulnerable. And the enemy just came in, you know, what do you go to? When you face something very hard, you always tend to go back to what you know. Yeah. And I just went because I needed to learn to process my feelings, you know. And I remember during that time, I, I cried out and I told my pastors, you know, I can't do this by myself. I need the church. I need you guys to help me get through this process. Yeah. Because my family was grieving. They couldn't help me. Mm -hmm. So I was just me and God, you know, and I honestly... I thank God for my church because they intercede, they prayed for me, the woman that lifted me up, you know, when I was really down and honestly, it was through the grace of God. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was like the biggest challenge and that, and the, and the grieving and the, and the process of the grieving, um, with the loss of a son, mm -hmm. um, was it very painful? Like, can you say that you had a lot of like, anguish like a lot of like because there's like pain mm -hmm. and there's like uh, like you're giving me grief but then there's like like anguish like where you're just like like it, it's unbearable yeah yeah it is I if you think about it like this it's like a dog when it's crawling that's how I found myself you know I would find myself agonizing inside it got to the point that I would tell God like just take me like, I cannot take this pain because it's so unbearable. The pain is so heavy. Like, I cannot get through this, you know? And I remember, like, I, you know, I told God, I don't know if it's right to tell God, but I told God, like, I will serve you the rest of my life if you get me through this, if mm -hmm. you show me and get me through this process because it was very agonizing. I could, there's no, there's no words to describe that type of pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Um. And what do you feel like God had called you to do now? After everything, like after experience gone in such a powerful way, taking a great loss, mm -hmm. going back to the things, but surrendering again to that place of surrenderance. And what do you feel like he's calling you to do now? I believe that God has, you know, I know for sure that God has called me to reach out other women you know, to preach the gospel, to share, you know, that there is hope, 
you know, that you're, you know, that God loves you, you know, like to share the gospel, to share, man, the, the resurrection power of God, his love, his goodness, mm -hmm. you know, the good news, but also to reach those that are hurting, you know, whether through a loved one, um, but mainly it's just like a multitude of different type of lifestyles of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in three words, what would you describe? Because your story is very interesting, and I wish we had. A, I wish we had more time mm -hmm. um, to really like know every detail. But in three words, what would you describe your legacy, your story, from the beginning you knew you experienced God to surrendering to taking a great loss, to going with you're going through to now. How would you, through words, what would you say about your legacy? Because your family mm -hmm. is also a part of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I believe through words is um, a legacy of perseverance. I believe perseverance. perseverance. Yes, because it's a lot of things my family has gone through. Mm -hmm. um, not just with us, but with one of my brothers that's, you know, that I've, you know, looked up to. Um, and Allah is um, faith faith, you know, faith, perseverance and faith. And um, I think another one, honestly, is just longevity. And I also wanted to ask you another question. Mm -hmm. um, what would you tell yourself to your younger self? What would be the advice that you would give? Like, what would you tell your younger self? I think what I would tell my younger self um, that, you know, that, um, one, that I'm loved, you know, that I'm loved and that I'm enough, mm -hmm. you know, for God. And just that, you know, that is everything that I've gone through, that it was worth it. Oh. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and when you're saying like everything that you've gone through, that it's worth it, like, so like that, not to give up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then nothing was in vain. Nothing was in vain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. And what would you want to, because it's a crazy thing, because I know a lot of times, like, we don't really think of death. <laughs> Even though, like, we know it could happen any moment, any time in the day, like the Bible says, tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you thought about that, like, when it's your time to go be with the Lord, um, what would you want to be written on your gravestone? What would you want to be written on your gravestone? I think what I would want it to be written on my gravestone is that, um, you know, that I persevered, you know, that I persevered and I never quit. We're going to come to a close right now. And we, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, you know, for um, telling the viewers, like, you know, like, well, your story and the story of faith, the story of perseverance and um, longevity mm -hmm. and kind of like how that all played along from her family. And so, um, you know, right now we're going to come to a close, but um, we thank you for sharing. Yeah. And um, would you like to pray for anybody right now, the viewers who are watching um, or ever experienced grief um, or maybe gone through the same situation, experienced a loss of a son or you're a young girl and you're watching mm -hmm. and you're kind of going through that now. You're battling with alcohol. You're battling with the gangs. You're going through that lifestyle. Um, would you like to pray? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, I just come before you right now. Lord, I intercede and I pray for that young girl, my God, that maybe, God, she finds herself empty. My God, maybe she finds herself in different relationships trying to find the true love that only comes from you, Lord. I pray that you touch her right now, yes. that you fill her and that you wrap her in your love, that she finds her identity, that she finds her purpose in you, my God. I pray that you cover her, Lord, and that you answer the cry of her heart. 
my God, even that twilight that's out there, my God, that you speak to her and that you minister to her. Maybe that backslider that at one point was serving you, my God, I pray that you draw them back to you, that you draw her back to you yes. or to him back to you, my God, and that you tell them, my God, that you're there waiting for them with open arms, God, to love on them, to restore them and bless them, God. And I pray for that mother that maybe lost a child or maybe that mother that lost a family member or a brother, a sister, a mother, a father. God, I pray that you comfort them during this moment, that your Holy Spirit strengthens them during this difficult time, Lord, that you pour your love on them, that you begin to strengthen them, my God, because your word says that when we are weak, you are strong, God. You be their supernatural strength, and I pray that their faith grow in you, God, that they learn to seek you in these difficult times, Lord. And I pray for every person that may, maybe does not know you, God, that they yes. surrender their hearts to you, that yes. they give their lives to you, and that they put the trust in you because you're a true loving God. Nothing is impossible, God, for you, but all things are possible in Christ, only in you, my God. And I thank you, Lord God, in advance, God, and we carefully give you all glory and honor, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Such a powerful story. Like, there's so much power in, you know, like when you choose to surrender your life and, you know, you respond to when heaven's hitting you. And, you know, to all those who are watching, um, please, 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 please like this, share this mm -hmm. to somebody, share this to anybody you know that's going through the same thing. Um, subscribe to us, <laughs> watch us, mm -hmm. and um, we thank you for watching. Thank you for viewing. Like, share, subscribe this, and um, we're going to keep reaching our city. Hey, everybody. We just got done with a powerful, powerful podcast. And right now, to all the viewers who are watching, all the listeners, we want you to like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Facebook, and Spotify. And if you do not belong to a local church, you can find us on Waterloo Road 2725. We are here, we are a church, and we are open, and we are going to reach our city for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you. God bless you.